welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I'm your host, Ben Kreider, and today we are going to be looking at the Thunder's final summer league game, kind of how that one went down and uh, what the takeaways were from that one. Going to be talking about Kenrich Williams. He just signed an extension with the OKC Thunder, so we'll be delving into the details on that one and kind of what the long-term implications are going to be with the roster moving forward. And then I'm going to be rounding it all out with a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, so you do not want to miss out on that. First things first, it's been a couple days since I've uploaded a pod. I've been working on some side projects, guys, so... We should be getting back to a normal schedule yet again, but I've got some things in the works right now that, you know, hopefully I'll be sharing with you guys soon, so that's always awesome, but we're just going to hop right into the Thunder's final Summer League game. It happened on Sunday, so it's not really recent news, I guess you could say. We've had about 72 hours pass, but they're going to face the Pelicans as everything kind of shook out in um, Friday's slate of games. I mean, the Thunder had to absolutely demolish uh, the Kings, or excuse me, the Warriors, in order to uh, clinch their spot in the Summer League Finals. And even though they did win, and they had an impressive win, played against guys like Mac McClung, Jonathan Kuminga, and Moses Moody, and, uh, you know, James Wiseman, I mean, it wasn't enough, so they couldn't make it. One thing that was pretty funny that I thought about the uh, Summer League broadcast was I actually had a Google Doc that I posted on Twitter on Friday showing the point differential, like how much teams need to win by, and actually used that. I don't know if they used uh, my data sheet or they already had someone working on it on ESPN, but it means I'm doing something right. So that was cool. I took a little photo of it while it was up on the screen it was kind of a blurry image but I'm gonna take partial credit for that one I feel like I threw somewhat of an assist there anyways OKC they just didn't win by 30 you know when you're not playing Chet not playing Giddy not playing a lot of guys that's what's gonna happen and going into your fifth and final game you're not risking injury you're gonna evaluate the entirety of the roster and uh, that's exactly what both sides did in this contest OKC rested a total of 10 guys Jalen Williams this is Jay Will he was the only drafted rookie to be playing for OKC this was kind of like the back end of the season last year where everybody that had mainstay minutes were just popped out playing guys like V Kredgey you know his 30 minute sample and just letting everything go uh, see if you can kind of iron out any potential in your final final game and for the Pelicans I mean it's much the same too now they had injuries Really early on in this summer league, they probably have the worst break on that. You know, Dyson Daniels, I think he had an ankle sprain. And then obviously EJ Liddell, oh my goodness, safe recovery to him. But, you know, his ACL got torn, so he's probably done for the season already. Uh, So they really didn't have many guys on the court. No Trey Murphy. Uh, But they did have a couple others that I'll be talking about later on in this game. And New Orleans got hot, 6 of 10 start. OKC, you know, when you're looking at their roster, you don't have the traditional lineup. Abdul Gaddy and Jaden Shackelford are your one and two. I've said this before. Abdul Gaddy is one of the best OKC blue passers ever. Averaged almost nine assists per game when he played with the team three seasons ago. So he's a baller. He, he There's some pretty good passes in this one. Shackelford's more of just a shooter. Vic Krejci, 
Gabe Brown, and Jay Will kind of round out that five. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, potential fixes here. But the one thing you'll see is Jaden Shackelford and Gabe Brown are three-point shooters, and that was the whole entire mantra in the first quarter. OKC, they got in that early deficit, just three ball after three ball, hoping some would fall. 16 of their 21 shots in the first quarter came from three. And they were only down 30 to 21 after 10 minutes, which I think is a pretty good result given their shot chart basically closed out the entirety of the painted area, which is not how they have played in Salt Lake or in Las Vegas, to be honest. So, you know, the game continues. Second quarter rolls around. It's still kind of a back and forth here where you saw kind of an alignment of stars here. Gabe Brown. He looked good in the fourth quarter of the game against the Golden State Warriors. In this game, he heats up. He ends up unloading, and he had 11 of the Thunder's 20 points in the second quarter. On the other side, though, Darion Sebron, who was one of my favorite undrafted guys. I believe I had him in my undrafted or my draft day guide that I posted on SI.com, but, um, Sebron, very athletic at six foot five. He's able to pick his spots. If he's able to get his three ball going, I think you could have a legit NBA prospect there. Uh, but he was just attacking the basket at will. He ended up unloading. He had 16 points by halftime. The Pelicans had a 10 point lead. So, you know, you're uh, not playing for stakes, obviously. It really doesn't matter. But you do want to stay competitive, and for, especially for some of these guys that had not played yet. And, and significant minutes, and some of them didn't play at all, you know, you want to make the most out of your opportunities. You had, you know, guys like Gabe Brown and Jaden Shackelford play in prior games, but Abdul Gaddy, we didn't get to see really any of him. Kevin Kongu and Robert Baker, they didn't play at all leading into Sunday's game. So they started to get some minutes, and that's what you want to see if you're in the blue front office. You want to see your G League guys playing, see if there's anyone there that you think you could develop and whatnot. And I think that's kind of how universally the summer league works. So, you know, when people complain about stars getting pulled out from the rotation, team sunsetting their rosters, it's part of the process. If it's not going to work on national television, I'm sorry, but that's just how this works. The job of players and coaches in Summer League is to play as many people as possible, get the reps they need, and see who they actually want to you know, continue uh, developing, if you will, heading into training camp. So third quarter, you know, this is where you start to see the table turn a bit. It's a 10-point lead. Then the Pelicans just blow it up, and it comes from 7'1 wing John Butler Jr., Another guy I had on my draft day guide, I was really high on him, and I was actually on Bricktown Breakdown a few, I'd probably say a month ago, because we were talking about prospects at 30 and 34. I mentioned John Butler as a potential guy to bring on a two-way contract, and you know, the reception, it is what it is. I understand, you know, Butler with Poku, with Chet, who was assumed to go there. That's a really funky lineup that you can have on your hands. But Butler's a sharpshooter. When he played for Florida State, he only shot threes. He never really attacked the basket, and he's like 190 pounds. So he really isn't much of a slasher in the first place. He was able to just shoot the lights out in the third quarter, though. So he starts hitting shots. Literally cannot miss. Pelicans are banging on the doorstep of a 20-point lead, and they break it. They're up 25 going into the fourth quarter. And as the fourth begins, you're just hoping 
that this game doesn't get even more out of control. And OKC, you know, they made a couple strides to close the distance. Did not happen, though. They lose by 36 points, 107 to 71. They go 3-2 and in Las Vegas and 2-1 and in the Salt Lake City outlet. So, I think if you kind of delve into the details, they might have won the Salt Lake Summer League. You don't get rings for that one, though. And on the other side, you had the Portland Trailblazers get some Summer League championships. Hell of a job by them. And Jabari Walker, oh my goodness. I honestly thought he was a second round, early second round pick. Slides almost to an undrafted position. And Mike Schmitz, you know, he did his due diligence on some of these guys. I'm sure he played a role in Jabari Walker uh, going over to the Portland Trailblazers. Anyways, though, I want to talk about the box score from this final game, kind of some takeaways moving forward, and then I want to talk about Kenrich Williams, his latest contract, what it means for the Thunder, and what the long-term implications could be for this rotation. But first, here's a special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Summer League is over. I know we have the TBT tournament going on. Samaje Christian's playing in the game. Julian Newman, if you're still interested in his story. If you can throw down some money on there, you know, that's one you could look towards in the basketball avenue. Obviously, there's always stuff going on, though, in the sports world. You can find a really good bet. You can find a spot to bet at, and you're going to be good to go with DraftKings Sportsbook. Anyways, though, for this offer... Just go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Continuing on though. With this box score, I mean, OKC, they did not play well. You know, we'll call it how it is. They lost by 37, so obviously something didn't go the right direction. They made eight shots in total off of twos in this game. That is a big change from what we've seen in the previous seven games they were running in summer league and it's because you don't have your initiators you don't have josh giddy you don't have trey man you don't have guys like j-dub who are able to create for themselves and really attack the basket and i'll go into what i think the most significant absence was in this game uh, but you know a lot of it comes from not being able to access uh, the interior and i think a lot of it is just settling you know okc they shot 45 times from three in this game, only made 15 of them. Believe it or not, that's not a bad output for this team. You know, when we look back at the Thunder, they've had performances in the last two seasons where 33%, you know, that's not terrible, right? And for a league average, that's not where you want to be. You want to be higher than 33%, but, you know, they need to find shooters. And I think that's why I think there is a little bit of value you can find in just so many threes being launched. This isn't the best way of playing the game, though. Rest assured, right? 
but they shot in the 20s on twos in this game, 33.3% on threes. And on the flip side, New Orleans, I mean, they were on fire. 50% from the floor, 53% from distance, 18 of 34. And then they went 15 of 24 at the line. So they had the potential to blow this up into a 40-point win if they just had a couple more of those buckets go down. For the Thunder, you had your top contributor in Gabe Brown. I said this before training camp started. I think that if there was, or not training camp, summer league, I think if there was someone not signed to a guaranteed deal, I'm talking a two-way contract or a standard contract, to make training camp, it would be Gabe Brown because he's six foot seven, he's a sharpshooter, and he has a little bit of hops in his game. Main reason you bring him in is the offensive capabilities. We saw last season the star from the unsigned pool was Rob Edwards in summer league and he ended up getting uh, a training camp invite and so did dj wilson too but he didn't play for the thunder uh, out in summer league but um i think that he would probably be the guy to earn it you have to look at the rotation and you have to look at how many roster spots are still being filled because you can't make room for gabe brown yet unless you wave somebody they have 18 standard guys and two two two-way contract players you can only have 20 going into training camp Uh, But if there's someone on the doorstep, I'd probably put my money on Gabe Brown. Had 23 points on 8 of 15 shooting in this game. 5 of 12 from distance. He's got a really flat jumper. I mean, there's not much of an arc at all. And when it's not going in, you know, you you can try to make a joke about it, right? But when it's going, it is going. And he was on fire in the second quarter, and he just kept it going. Last five quarters in a Thunder jersey, he ended up dropping... I think it was 32 points overall which is very impressive from him and then he ties Chet Holmgren for the most points scored in summer league by a Thunder player this year at 23 points Jaden Shackelford 15 points on 5 of 16 shooting you know I think with a guy like Shackelford he's a guard so you want to see assists he only had one in this game and that's not really where he thrives he thrives creating for himself and we've seen that with players on this Thunder team Yeah, we saw it in Summer League with someone like Trey Mann, where he's looking to pick his own spots, and that's how it works. A lot of his shots were just kind of pull-up three-pointers, you know, not very high quality. uh, But you know for a fact the shooting is there with him. He had an impressive game uh, two nights ago against the Warriors. So I think he's still someone you want to keep around with the blue. They had interest in Brown and Shackelford. That's why they gave him Exhibit 10s. I'm sure in the contracts, you know, there might be mutual interest in meeting back up with the OKC Blue. And those two guys are going to be very good pieces to surround some of the Thunder players, such as Veet and such as Usman. I still think that Usman is going to be in the G League at some stint this season. And, you know, when you're surrounding him with shooters, that's going to make his life a little bit easier when he's going to be down in the G League ranks. So those two guys were probably the top two. Veet Krejci, 13 points, 8 rebounds, and 4 assists. 4 of 11 from the field. Just not much interior play from him. And then you get to guys like Abdul Gaddy, who had some really sick passes, wasn't very efficient. Kevin Kongu was one of 10. He's SGA's trainer. And then you had Jay Will, who went a blank 0 of 5 in this game. 7 rebounds, excuse me, 8 rebounds and 8 assists. So, you know, that's where he found most of his success. It was passing the ball around, which you're going to be all right with. And then you had Rob Baker, G League intern, former 
and he had nine points and three rebounds, two of four from three. I really like his agility at the four position. You know, with me, when I evaluate prospects and how they're going to play in the G League, I look towards athletic power forwards i know that you can find some very large like muscular brute force guys and they work too but you know when i'm looking to find a gym i'm gonna look towards a more athletic and springy power forwards that's what rob baker is at 610 he's a little bit smaller in terms of you know the actual weight but i think you can bulk that up and he does have a very good looking jump shot so i was impressed with him i was impressed with gabe brown i'd say those were my two favorite players from this game if I wasn't including John Butler from the Pelicans, he shot nine of nine, six of six from three, 25 points and seven rebounds. No one could stop this man. And at seven, one, just ridiculous. I mean, I remember after the draft, he was not picked up immediately. He wasn't given a two-way deal. He was waiting for a couple days before he got a deal with the Pelicans. And whether it's he had so many offers or he had so little, we're never going to know. But he didn't get a two-way deal. So he wasn't at the like the top of the totem pole on the undrafted. After this game, I think he's really bolstered his stock and he showed the potential of what he could actually be as a shooter. Now, he has been rather inconsistent prior to this point, but at 7-1, just finished his freshman season. I mean, you know, there's something to build off of here for the Pelicans if they want to bring him on a two-way or to stick to that Exhibit 10 contract. Elijah Stort had 20 points. Sebron had 19 points. And how about Davidis Servetus? He had a really good game in December against the OKC Blue. And this was uh, during the Winter Showcase Cup, actually. Three-point shot after three-point shot. Looks like he's the same player. 11 of his 15 attempts came from three. He had 17 points on the night, and that was that. But um, that was kind of the takeaway from the game. I think that if there was anyone that passed, it would be Gabe Brown, then maybe Rob Baker. Then there's sort of a drop-off in terms of the production you received from the team. But there's going to be consistent production staying in Bricktown for at least the next five years or four years here with Kenrich Williams. He inked a new extension a couple days ago with the OKC Thunder, and it's going to keep him around on what I believe is a very good contract. This is a four-year deal worth $27.2 million. 27.2 mil. And when you go and assess this, I I don't know if we know the actual rate, if it's front-loaded or back-loaded yet, but let's say it's a flat salary, which normally doesn't happen. That would average out to about $6.8 million per, per season. Um, that is ridiculous for what someone of Kenrich Williams caliber is able to bring you. And this comes from a guy who was basically a throw-in for the Steven Adams trade. He came alongside Zylan Cheatham and Joshua Gray. Cheatham's still playing in you know summer leagues, trying to get into training camp. I think Joshua Gray is overseas, but... I thought Kenrich Williams would be part of that bunch. I don't think there was anyone expecting him to stay on this team, but he did. He was good enough in preseason. In the regular season, two years ago, he made a really good impression. And the three-year, $6 million contract he signed looked ridiculous. It looked like a simple sign-and-trade, get rid of him. He ends up getting a couple million dollars, and he's really happy about it. Nope. 
he's been able to make the most out of this. He's going into year three of three on that budget contract. And now you're adding four more seasons to it. He could be sticking around as long as 2027, which is ridiculous. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a miraculous story with him. No D1 offers coming out of high school. Had to play Juco. Played at TCU for three seasons and was able to kind of get into the situation he is in now. Really just a budget deal, though, for OKC. And, you know, there's going to be people that are kind of a little bit upset, maybe, with this contract based on the deal. It's a four-year contract, right? And it's it's long-term. That's going to secure a roster spot. And you don't know how long Kenny Hustle is going to be staying in Bricktown. This is nothing new. I mean, Kenny was at the top of trade rumors the last two seasons. No doubt about it. Teams were inquiring with his contract. You know, he's making less than... A guy like Ty Jerome. This is like a, a second round pick scale salary he's making here. And he's giving you way better production than basically every second rounder in the league. So contenders are going to try to trade for this. They're going to trade second round picks. Maybe a protected first if it gets to that height. But OKC continue to back it off. Kendrick Williams has said. He talked with Joe Musato in January saying like, hey, I want to retire in Bricktown. Even if it's a far-fetched idea. And this is going to give him a couple steps forward to that. And he just fills the role that OKC has really just needed for a while. And that's just being a good 3 and D presence. They didn't have that when they were looking to contend. When you had guys like Russell Westbrook and Paul George together. Terrence Ferguson was your starting shooting guard. Nothing against Terrence Ferguson. But he's not going to be your starting shooting guard on a successful playoff team. Just based on the fact he could not shoot particularly well. He had athleticism, but... He really didn't like showing it. He didn't have that aggression offensively and even defensively. You know, he had some, kind of some bumps in the road, right? You need to find those glue guys at the two if you're prioritizing the one and three position. Lou Dort does that. Is he going to play the two or three? That's up for debate. Can he hustle off the bench? Basically the same role as Dort on a smaller scale. So you're going to get two really good consistent presences here. I know Kenny kind of dipped down a little bit in three-point play this year, but he didn't play as much. Uh, so, you know for a fact, defensively, he's going to be able to play. On the three-point front, he showed signs that he should be able to be steady. And if he does, this is a steal of a contract. Even if he's just a defensive guy, this is a very good contract for Kenrich Williams. He's 27 years old, so he's going to be 32 Let's say if the entirety of his four-year contract sticks, it's three plus one. It's going to be a team option at the uh, end of that third season. But if he's going to continue to play the way he has, he's going to have that fourth year picked up. Let me just put things in perspective for a second here because I think that people need to look at kind of the value of players in press or not Presties. Even Presti's archetype, sure. You need to pay the man big big money. He's one of the best in the business. But with Kenny Hustle and just the 3 and D mold, those guys get paid eight-figure salaries per year, and they could be just certified veterans. Someone like Robert Covington, I think he's 31 or 32. He's on a two-year $24 million contract with the Clippers. P.J. Tucker, age 37, just signed a three-year contract with the Philadelphia 76ers. He's also making a good chunk in the eight-figure salary per season. Let's talk about someone who might have been low-balled a little bit. Royce O'Neal played for the Jazz. 
four-year, $36 million contract. What happened this past offseason? He gets traded to the Brooklyn Nets for a 2023 first-round pick. Why does he have value? Does he have value because of the contract or the player? It's a blend of both. But if you were to say Royce O'Neal's on a four-year, $48 million contract, $12 million a year, that's not going to be as appealing, and that's going to retract some of that value that you're going to get in that deal because you need to have that financial flexibility, especially if you're a playoff team and you're just digging into those taxes. You want to find players that can fill some roles for you on a budget. Royce O'Neal did that with the Utah Jazz. Kenny Hustle's making even less than Royce O'Neal. If we're going to keep it frank, I think that Royce O'Neal probably is a little bit of a better player than Kenrich Williams, but we also haven't seen Kenny Hustle play in long stints yet because of both injury and because of just letting others play on the roster. So we haven't gotten that full run where he's had that Royce O'Neal opportunity, starting in significant games, being able to play in the playoffs. That's not been a step yet. So when the Thunder reached that point, if he's playing like Royce O'Neal, well, he's going to be more valuable than what Royce O'Neal was doing. This guy's making maybe $7 million, $8 million when the Thunder get into playoff territory. That's not only a trade chip for you, but that's somebody that you're going to be able to keep around for a while on a budget and build around. You're not building around Kenny, of course, but he's a really core cog in what the Thunder could be having. And you need to fill out the bench. A lot of teams... You know, they kind of throw in minimum contract guys, those veterans for one season, the Dwight Howards of the world. Kenny Hustle's not going to be that, of course, but he's not going to be costing you $10 million a year. You know, this is a modest contract for somebody coming off your bench. So if this was a matter of timeliness or just cost-effective, really good deal, it doesn't matter. This is a really good contract to be throwing out. And I know there's going to be people mentioning like, hey, you just signed Lou Dort, now you signed Kenrich Williams. Well, this is going to have a big-time ripple effect. I don't think so. I think maybe when you're looking three, four years down the line, you could say that, but this doesn't change the short-term goals and plans that this team has. He's still going to be making $2 million next season, and he's still going to be averaging about 22 minutes per game. You know, people are making it out like Kenny Hustle wasn't supposed to be playing this year at all. He's a rotational player. You put him on the Lakers, he's still going to be playing 15 to 20 minutes a game. He's a consistent guy. You want to be playing your consistent players. I know there's the trade-off. You need to play potential guys, but you can play the two or three. You can kind of move him in and out with some of your rotations. And for other guys, like I said, you move him and play him in the OKC Blue system for a little bit. It's not as bad as people make it out to be. It's a really good kind of petri dish almost for some of your talent and that's what happened with so many guys that have been part of this rebuilding process i think if you kind of break it down i i'd almost bargain that like nearly half the team has been in an okc blue jersey in the past two seasons just because there's been so much talent young talent on this team and just not enough minutes you give them the opportunities in the g league for a little bit but kenny He's an established NBA player. You play him as such, and you sign him to a contract when you get the chance at this sort of you know price range. So he's going to be good to go. If we're breaking down how this will work, let's say there is that ripple effect. You know, Jay 
J-Dub is going to have minutes. He's almost going to be in a position where he could be that six-man by the end of the year because he's such a perfect utility guy. I know I didn't mention it earlier, but I think he was the main reason they struggled against the Pelicans because he's good at cutting. There were basically no cuts in Sunday's matchup. He's able to cut. He's able to handle the basketball or catch and shoot. That is a money six-man, and that's someone who could start for you, honestly. I know they're not going to be able to make it work from the get-go, but that's a slam dunk at the two. Trey Mann's your backup point guard. Kenny Ossel's likely your backup small forward. So that moves Usman and Veet sort of out of the, the main fold here, which is kind of to be expected, I think. And then you have, at the four spot, you still have guys like JRE, Baisley, and Poku. And you need to work that out because someone's going to need to move positions. You just signed Chet and Jay will out of the draft. So are both of them going to be playing center minutes immediately? We know Chet is going to be starting, but who's behind him? Is it JRE? Is it going to be Muscala? Favors if he's still with the team? Jay will You got to make that decision. But if it's going to affect anybody, I'd say right now, maybe it affects... Poku the most just based on the position battle that might happen because of the draft selections the Thunder had this year Uh, but that's not going to be a a new thing that was brought up because of this contract extension I don't think it has any impact they got what they uh, haven't wanted for a while though with Kenny and to get a guy like this on a budget contract right before the new CBA kicks in is pretty spectacular and it kind of just shows you know the Thunder on their A game when it comes to some of these deals. Maybe they wanted to wait until the offseason next year. I wouldn't have blamed them. I thought that was how they'd go about this. But they end up getting Kenny Hustle now. They get him out of a potential free agent situation next summer. So looks like they should be done in terms of wheeling and dealing on the contract front. They have so many different guys. Already secured Dort. Secured Muscala. Now they secure another veteran in Kenny Hustle. And that's going to solidify probably what their offseason is outside of a few waves that we'll see in the next couple of months. That's going to do it, though, on the Kenny Hustle talk. I'll be talking later this week on what I saw from Summer League, some of my top takeaways, and some players to be looking out for. Uh, But I really appreciate you guys listening to this episode. I thank you all for listening. And I will talk to you all next time. See ya.